Get your Bibles open to Isaiah chapter 14, please. I'm going to talk tonight and Wednesday night, possibly next Sunday, but for sure tonight and Wednesday night about exposing and defeating the enemy. Amen. Exposing and defeating the enemy. We know already we have power over the enemy. We know already that Jesus wins. We know already that we can be healed and we can have deliverance and all the things we talked about this morning. But unless you know your enemy, you can't defeat him. Amen? We know we can be defeat him, but we have to be able to recognize him. And the reason we say that is because the Bible tells us very clearly that Satan does not come like we see on Halloween pictures. He doesn't come with two horns. He doesn't come uh, like a dragon. He, the Bible says he comes as an angel of light. So if the Bible says he comes like that, that means we have to learn how to recognize the enemy. How many know many, many, many times he gets a foothold without us recognizing it? And, and, and many times we're facing a situation in our marriage, our finances, our home, our church, where the devil has already got a foothold in. And then we begin to see, man, I've lost some ground here. Man, I've lost some battles here. Man, I'm sick or uh, lost, had a financial problem or all these things, and then we go, man, what do I do now? And then we got to go backwards. How many know prevention is the best medicine? Yeah. I want to try to teach you how to recognize the enemy while he's trying to get a foothold. Because the devil does not come and just swing a big swing. He doesn't work that way. The devil comes in very quietly. The devil comes in very uh, silently. And when he comes in and gets inside, then he comes with everything. And it's very... Uh, similar to that lion that lion when he attacks he attacks hard but if you ever see those things on national geographic he he doesn't just jump out and growl although he has has a growl he is sly and he's watching i remember i told you guys the time that i was actually in africa and got to be six seven feet from a lion and they and and i was a human being in a car he wasn't even looking at me he didn't care about me the car didn't bother him Nothing bothered him. His eyes were fixed on his prey. And that's the way the devil works. He, ha he, has, he finds somebody that is weak. He finds somebody who has a hole. He finds somebody who's got their back turned. And he doesn't need to focus on anybody else. He says, I'm going to go after that one right there because they're not watching. And so exposing and defeating the enemy. I want to start off in Isaiah in just a minute. But I want to give you a few things to write down if you're taking notes to start us off. In the, in the Bible, the Hebrew word for Satan in the original term, Satan, comes from the meaning to obstruct or to oppose. That is what Satan does. He obstructs or opposes. And uh, you'll see, and I'm not going to go over these places tonight. You'll write them down. Numbers 22, 22. 1 Samuel 29, verse 4. Psalms 109, verse 6. I'll say those again. Numbers 22, 22. 1 Samuel 29.4 and Psalms 109.6 mention those obstructions. Uh, when Pastor Dylan mentioned tonight about the, the part of Daniel, we also know in that same book that prayers went up and the prayers were heard. And in that same chapter, the Bible says there was an opposition for 21 days. There was a, there was a, there was a battle against those prayers. So when we say our prayers, we know our prayers are heard, but there's an opposition that does not want our prayers to come to pass. There's always opposition. Whenever you're doing something right for God, you are going to have opposition. Satan has an ultimate goal. 
His ultimate goal is to lead people away from God. Don't think that his ultimate goal is to trip up those that are lost because he doesn't have to. They're already lost. His goal is to pull people away. Satan wants trophies. He doesn't get trophies in his mind from those that are lost because he didn't do anything to them. Satan wants to get those who think they got it together or are walking with the Lord so he can say, look, I stole that person from you, God. His entire intention is to hurt God, to, to bring fallacies that oppose God. The Bible says Satan, I'm giving you just a, 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 a foundation. Satan is identified as the accuser. Satan is identified as the tempter. Satan is identified as having a secret power and that in the Bible calls in the book of Revelation, he's a dragon. So these are some, some, some uh, descriptions of him. Now I want to look in just a second in Isaiah of why Satan has so much power. Before his rebellion, before he, he was cast out of the third heaven, he, he, he was the highest angel in heaven. He was the worship leader. He was, he was the right-hand man, so to speak, in heaven outside of the Trinity. He was the most beautiful. He was the most used. He was the most exalted. He was the most powerful. And that got to his head. Amen? So right now I want you to write two things down that are going to be for tonight and Wednesday night. I call them super keys. Super important keys to this message and to understanding the devil. There's two keys that if you'll get these, you might not get anything else, but if you'll get these, you'll learn something. Number one is... Pride versus humility. Pride versus humility. That is a battle of flesh and spirit. Pride versus humility. God always wants us to stay humble. Satan always wants us to be prideful. Whenever pride is involved, Satan's involved. Do you get that? Whenever humility is involved, God is involved. You can see a situation, you can notice yourself, you can notice a person. If there's pride, the devil's behind it. If there's obedience, God is in the midst. That's a super key, pride versus humility. The other one is obedience versus rebellion or disobedience. Whenever you see obedience, God's involved. Whenever you see disobedience, Satan's got his hand in it. I mean, oh, those are simple things. But they're, they're important. So pride versus humility and obedience versus disobedience. The Bible says in Matthew 12, 24 that Satan is the ruler of the demons, the ruler of the world, and the God of this world. Now some people might think, why would you give Satan that credit? It's not to give him credit. It's to give us understanding that we have a true enemy. Many times the church doesn't recognize how powerful the enemy is. And like I've said before, it's like if you don't realize how real hell is, you won't realize how real heaven is. Heaven doesn't have any meaning to you until you realize hell's where you're supposed to go. Heaven doesn't seem beautiful and amazing until you realize how horrible and dark hell is. Amen? And so... If there's a gospel being preached that says, well, there's no hell or there's no emphasis on the fact that a hell exists, then it makes us not really think too much about heaven because we don't see the circumstances of what hell would be like. So these are things that we have to understand that, that, that the devil doesn't really mind that someone believes in God. Because the scriptures say in James that 
Even Satan believes in God. His demons believe in God, but the Bible says they tremble at his word. But we have a church of people in the world who claim to be Christians and they don't tremble at God's word. Amen? They're not humble. They're not uh, in reverence and in awe. How many know we can't lose the awe of who God is? We can't lose the awe of his mighty power and the fact, again, that we are all sinners who have fallen short of the glory of God and no one in this place deserves his grace. No one deserves his power. We saw in some of those stories, and I think we might have talked about this in discipleship this week, where whenever Jesus was healing somebody, whenever God was using them, Peter stood back and said, Jesus, I'm not worthy to be standing in your presence. That centurion guard said, Jesus, I'm not worthy for you to come into my house. If you really want God to use you tonight, walk in humility. Amen? Amen? And how many know humility does not come automatically? Humility takes work. Humility takes a daily decision. Humility is always pushing any glory that man would give you or a situation would give you up to Jesus. If you just learn to live your life like this, you would walk in the power of God. There's nothing wrong with somebody saying, man, I see God in your life. God uses you. You have a great marriage. All those things, as long as you say, praise God, and you push that right up to the Lord. Just push it up to God. And those compliments will continue to come. And God will continue to use you because he'll use a person who's humble and obedient. But if you're being prideful and you begin to think that you're somebody, this, you know, Robert was mentioning at the offering about the big churches and all those things. What has happened, unfortunately, with those big churches and those big uh, profiteers or pastors is that they have began to believe what people say about them. And they've stopped pushing the glory up to God and actually began to make themselves almost equal. And that sounds familiar because that's what Satan did. So whenever you see pride working in someone's life, you can be sure that the devil has a foothold. Whenever you see somebody who's humble and obedient and just walking, some people say, oh, that person's a, a yes man. That's a good person to be. A yes man is a good person to be. That means they're obedient. That means they understand they're under orders. I understand orders. I understand authority. I understand that I'm, when I'm walking in obedience, I'm humble. When I'm walking in obedience, God is behind me. If I allow any pride to begin to come into my life, that's Satan getting a foothold. You all with me? So the book of Revelation, let's go to, uh, I know you're holding Isaiah. Actually, let me just read this. It's a short verse. Stay in Isaiah. The book of, of Revelation tells us the ultimate, and I want to finish, uh, start with this. I want to start with the ultimate. We know that the ultimate destination of Satan is the bottomless pit. Revelation 20.10, if you want to write it down, said, sorry, the lake of fire. The devil, verse 10, who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and forever. So next time Satan works on you, you just remind him where he's going. Amen? You just remind him what his ultimate destination is. Even if you feel like you've lost a little bit of that battle, you just say, Satan, you might think you've got me right now. I just want to remind you where you're going. Your, your destination is the lake of fire. Amen? Jesus is going to put you there. You might have your power right now, but it's not going to last. And you are going to lose. Amen? Let's read Isaiah chapter 14. 
Many people don't know these, these two scriptures or two sections of scripture about Satan that I'm going to show you. Many people don't realize that it's very clear and vivid in the scriptures about what happened with Satan. And these aren't the only verses, but these are ones I want you to see tonight. Isaiah 14, verse 12. Give me an amen if you're there. Oh, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. Watch this. I want you to pay attention to this. I've done this before, but I really want you to see this. If you've got a pen, under, uh, uh, mark it or underline it. I. That word I. You know when you're talking about, let me throw this out, when you're talking about the church and you're talking about your marriage and you're talking about your business and you're talking about your work and you're talking about your ministry and you're talking about things, it is much better to say we. The word we is a powerful word. Amen? The word we is a powerful word. I'm not saying there's never a time to say I, but when you say we, there's a power in that. Because when you say I... It can be a very dangerous word because we see Satan here using the word I. And he says, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt, watch this, my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I, watch this, will be like the Most High. That's pretty, pretty powerful words, okay? That's not humble. That's not obedient. That's prideful. That's rebellion. I, 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 I can do this. I can do this. Now, we understand the context. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me is different than I can do this because it says through Christ who strengthens me. But when you say I can do this and you don't put the Christ that strengthens me, there's pride in that. So he's saying, I, 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 and then verse 15 says, yet you, here's the term, terminating scripture, shall be brought down to Sheol to the lowest depths of the pit. So this is an interesting scripture because it's right in the middle of the Bible. It's a prophecy book, yet it's telling what's happened already, what was going to happen, and it's doing both ways right here in Isaiah. It's a very powerful scripture. It's talking about something that happened and it's going to happen. Okay. Now go over to Ezekiel, just a few chapters over to, the, to your right towards the New Testament, chapter 28. I'm showing you who Satan is. Ezekiel 28, verse 12. Let me know when you're there. Son of man, take up lamentation for the king of Tyre. And say to him, thus says the Lord, God, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardius, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx and jasper, sapphire, turquoise and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were 
created. What he's saying here is Satan, uh, before he was Satan, Lucifer, I had a great plan for you. I had a high position for you. How many know that God has a great plan for us? All of us. He had a great plan for Lucifer. And then he says, you were, and notice the, the past tense words, you were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. Isn't it funny how we can get away from who, from where we come from and forget who helped us get there? Amen. Somewhere along the line, Lucifer forgot who made him. That's why you can never forget your covering, like Robert said at the offering again. You can never forget who's above you. You can never forget who is, is headship. And of course, ours always is Jesus Christ first. But in life, we have a boss. In life, we have people over us. It, it, how many know that if, even if you get promoted to a position greater than the person who got you the job, you are forever indebted to the person who got you the job? We are people who forget where we came from. We're people who forget who placed us in the position we're at. And that's always God. And here we see Satan, God saying, hey, in case you forgot, I established you. Amen? So he's saying here's why he fell. Because he forgot who established him. You, verse 14, were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. Look at this. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you out. I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. See, there's the lack of humility again. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. Now watch this. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. You defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity of your trading. Therefore, I brought fire from your midst. Verse 18, watch this as it finishes. It devoured you. And I turned you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all who saw you. How many know that when Satan rebelled, he took one-third of heaven with him? One-third of the angels in heaven followed Lucifer in rebellion. And sometimes we go, man, how could a church split? Man, how could, how could someone fall? How could a pastor fall? How could a sp great spiritual leader fall? Listen, church, if Lucifer fell, there is nobody who cannot fall. Don't ever forget. I don't say that to put fear in you in a way of walking on eggshells and being afraid that you might fall. I say that to give you a reverent fear that if Lucifer fell, anybody can fall. Pride comes before a fall. Amen? And so we see in the scriptures this, this story. Now quickly go to Genesis chapter 3. Just to remind you, this is the foundation for tonight and Wednesday night. Genesis chapter 3, tell you what happened, where the beginning happened. This, the, what I just read was before the garden. This is after the garden. Now in Genesis chapter 3, 
Verse 1, since the very beginning, Satan has attacked God, but he has to attack God. This is the interesting thing. Just as God uses people, Satan uses people. There always has to be a vessel. We're either a vessel of God or we're a vessel of the enemy. God is either using our lives or Satan is using our lives. And there may be even times as believers we're used by the enemy. I mean, don't want to be used by the enemy. Ever. We have to guard ourselves against that. But Satan is always looking for who to use, just like God is looking for who to use. And so he has always attacked God through man, through his own creation. There's no better way, that's why I said, that Satan would look for us as trophies. It's a trophy when he pulls somebody from God because he's using man, God's creation, to turn against him just like he did. And then he can say, look, God, see, they don't love you either. That's all Satan wants to do is hurt God. Because, listen, he's the only one outside of the fallen demons and angels. He's the only, we have a choice. We can, we can be the most wicked people in the world. We can be Satanists. We can be atheists. We can be murderers. We can be the most wicked people in the world. But the Bible says we can turn around, give our lives to Jesus, and be saved. Satan already has his destiny sealed. That's why he hates God so much. Amen. But we know that even going way back, we know that we know God's character. Even Satan probably had a moment where he could have we could have reconciled. God's God's a God of reconciliation. But pride is a dangerous thing. So we see in verse one of chapter three of Genesis, the serpent was more cunning. So you know, you notice there, there's a word cunning, meaning tricky, than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made and. He said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? So he's using the word, we talked about this last week, against the man. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said you can't touch that. If you touch it, you'll die. That's sin. And then Satan does exactly what he did in heaven. Woman you surely, you will surely not die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. We always have to remember that that is Satan's trick. Whenever we begin to walk in that attitude of any way, even the slightest slice of being equal to God, even this, and you say, oh man, I've never felt that way. You might not realize it, but that, whenever you are prideful, you are walking in the midst of trying to be equal to God. Pride is a killer. Pride, the Bible says God hates pride. It's a killer. So, as I'm talking about this tonight, you might not have really thought that, man, if we talk about Satan and exposing, when I start saying exposing... I can get into a lot of things, and I'll get into some things. I can get into a lot of tangible, physical things that you can see that are ways to expose Satan. But you're going to realize that the exposure has already been given to you. It's called pride and disobedience. How many know when we start looking for Satan, we start looking for, for you know, the Baphomet, the goat signer. We start looking for the, the church of Satan. Or we start looking for the gothics. And we start looking for all these different things we can put our eyes on. But you can't see pride. You can't see disobedience. 
That's the exposure. That's exposing the devil, is realizing pride and disobedience is the devil's foothold. Pride and disobedience. Satan does three things right here. He says, he attacks, number one, he attacks God's word. Satan always attacks God's word. Is this really true? Did God really say that? He's always attacking the credibility of God. So here's, here's something to think about. If you are being attacked by the enemy and you begin to say, man, does that verse really, is that really what God means? Can God really heal me? Does God really, if you begin to question the word of God, that is Satan working. Because he's always going to try to discredit the word. He's always going to try to make the word look like, nah, that can't be real. And he uses people to do it too. Right? He uses people to discredit the word. Our job is to say, I believe the word of God for what it is. I believe it's yes and amen, and I believe it, and I obey it, and I don't ask questions. Satan's always going to discredit, or sorry, attack God's word. Number two, got ahead of myself. He discredits God and his character and his plan for us. He tries to discredit God and his character and his plan for us. Does God really have a plan for you? You can't be used. You're, you did this. You did that. You can't. God don't have a plan for you. You've already made too many mistakes. He's always going always gonna to lie. This kind of goes in line with the sermon series we've done before about condemnation and, and, and conviction. Whenever you're being condemned, that's not God. Condemnation does not come. What does Romans tell us? That if anyone is in Christ, there is now no condemnation. So if you are ever during the week after a sin or after a mistake or after something you've done wrong, feeling condemned, that's not God. That's the devil. Because God will correct you and convict you. He will lovingly come and say, look, that's not good. Don't do that. That's not what you need. Change that up. But he's not going to say, you're going to hell. You're lost. We know that if we continue to walk in that disobedience, that we will go that place. We know that. But God doesn't want us to go there. So God's going to love it. What does the Bible say? His love leads us to repentance. His kindness leads us to repentance. So the devil is the exact opposite. He's going to work. He's going to say, you've already messed up. God don't have a plan for your life. He's going to discredit God and his character and his plan. Number three, he offers equality with God. Did you notice right here he said, God knows that if you eat of that tree, you will be equal with him. You will be equal with him. Why does he say that? Because he already failed that test. He already thought he was equal with God. And then you go on to see with Jesus in, the, in, the, in Matthew 4 when he's being tempted. He says, bow down to me and I'll give you the power to, to be over all these things. He says, I'll make you equal to God. Let me know we'll never be equal to God. So don't believe that lie. Don't try to be equal. I don't want to be equal to God. I don't even want to try. I want to keep the attitude of repentance and humility and thankfulness. That, Lord, I do not deserve. You know, the closer you get to God, the more humble you are. The more you see God move in your life, the more you realize it has nothing to do with you. The closer you get in relationship to the Lord, the more you realize you don't deserve his forgiveness. So if you ever find yourself 
getting to a place where you feel like, man, and I don't, there's a balance in all this. Don't take it wrong. You can be confident in God. I'm not saying don't be confident. But you have to learn by the Holy Spirit to know what pride is and what confidence is. Amen? And here's, here's something to write down. This is good. With God, the way up to God is down. Let that sink in. You want to get up to God? You go down. I'm not talking about going down to hell. I'm talking about down on your knees. Down in humility. That spirit of less is more. Y'all catch that? The way up to God is down in humility. Because you see all these verses in the Bible. Whoever would exalt himself, meaning go up, would be what? Humbled. But whoever would humble themselves would be exalted. So when I'm in that humble position, God says, hey, get up. Come up here. When I go into a place and there's a table of chairs and the king's sitting on the end, I go down to the other end and I sit down here humbly so that God might call me the king, might say, hey, come down here and sit by me. Instead of going down and sitting by the king and then God having to say, that's somebody else's spot. (laughs) Need you to go down there. Right? That's always the best way is humbly come in. Let God call you. Let God bring in. Let God exalt you by humbling yourself. Amen? I want to read something tonight that's part of the message, but off of it a little bit, just to show you uh, again how, how Satan is working. Let me know Satan's working. Overtime. I got a, a note today from one of the ministers that I really, really... Uh, admire and respect and he said major alert so I want you to be praying about this we're talking about exposing the enemy we need to know what to pray for here's what he said I've just been informed of a major plan by the extreme left that's government that has the support of over 100 house members and numerous senators pay attention to this please because we need your prayer on this that if passed would make it a crime for churches and ministers to publicly say the gay lifestyle is a sin or not allow them to use your church for your own meetings. Now, we've heard about this stuff being talked about, okay? We knew that as soon as this, 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 uh, this amendment happened by the Supreme Court a few months ago, we knew that this stuff would be talked about. Now it's not just being talked about. There's 100 House members who are pushing this. It says it would be a crime... And the Justice Department would investigate the allegations of discrimination. And if the church or minister is guilty, leveling fines, or if need, be incarcerating the leaders. The major, sorry, the majority of the politicians among these church haters that are intolerant to traditional religious beliefs happen to be linked with the donkey party. And most have no liking for conservative Christians and will use the law to silence the religious right, as they call it. We will soon, listen, this is so interesting to me because I preached about this at conference. It says, we will soon find out within the church who is on the Lord's side of the scriptures and who is halting between two opinions. 
It is the days of Elijah all over again where the spirit of Jezebel is after the heads or the voices of the men of God. There is serious government persecution coming to all who stand for the truth. And when the left becomes violent, as they did in, in, in the men, with the men of Sodom and Gomorrah, threatening to rape him or rebuke him of their iniquity, God will change the game. Listen, and the United States hedge will be removed. And catastrophic natural disasters will be unleashed. Please mark this day and please be praying because we know God's word always prevails. Amen? So this is just something that this, this man has a lot of insight on what's going on. And I don't say that to, if anybody should be scared saying that would be me. Because I'm the one that's preaching. But I'm not scared. I'm just saying this because we need to pray. Amen? We need to declare that this is a power of the enemy. And like I said this morning, we say, be quiet, Satan. Be quiet, Satan. All you can do is bark. Amen? How many know all Satan can do is bark? If you have your humble heart and obedient heart and your eyes on Jesus, all Satan can do is bark and growl. He cannot hurt us. He cannot defeat us. He is already defeated. Amen. Do you believe that? Look what just happened a few days ago with this hurricane. Did y'all realize that the worst hurricane in the history of the Western Hemisphere was going to hit Mexico and all we got was rain? You know what that's called? That's called God's people praying. God's people getting on their knees and saying, Lord, save Mexico. Don't touch Mexico. That's prayer. Amen. Prayer works. But we got to know the enemy. You can't defeat the devil if you don't know him. Jesus said in Luke 18, 14, he was talking about two men who came to the temple to pray. I'm going to begin to close tonight with this thought. In Luke 18, 14. One was prideful and one was humble. He says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Maybe tonight you were looking for, and I, like I said, I've got, I've got a lot of things I could tell you. But I want to I show you that exposing the devil is recognizing pride and recognizing the constant need to get on our knees and humble ourselves. Amen? 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people will humble themselves and pray. It's a spirit of humility that we have to ask for. You can't, you don't just, you're not born with humility. Matter of fact, we're born with pride. We're born carnal. We're born wanting glory. We're born wanting attention. We're born wanting a pat on the back. We're born wanting things like that. We have to fight against those things and just say, God, I'm nothing without you. I'm nothing without you. My marriage is nothing without you. My kids are nothing without you. My job is nothing without you. And when we begin to realize that, it begins to build a foundation that we stand on that cannot fall. Because we realize this house has been built by Jesus. This house has been built by his word. And I'm standing on his word tonight. I'm standing on what God says and not what the devil's telling me in my ear. Amen? But it takes recognition. It takes a, a daily walk. We can't expect 
We say this all the time, to make it with God. And I know we don't do that. Thank God. I believe that we're on the right track, that we're not just at church being spiritual, but we're walking Monday and we're walking Thursday and we're walking Saturday and we're finding time to seek the Lord and we're finding time to read the word and we're finding time to pray and we're coming to church when the doors are open. This is what keeps us humble. Amen? I mean, think about it. How, how, how much harder do you think it would be for you tonight on a Sunday night to be making it for God if all you got was Sunday this morning. We had a great message, or not a great message, sorry, great service, great presence of God, great moving of the Holy Spirit, but that's not enough to take me till next Sunday. I need something tomorrow. I need more Wednesday. I need something Friday. And that's an individual seeking of the Lord. Amen. That's an individual time of worship. That's an individual time of talking to God. And, and it's, it's watching what we let in, like I said this morning at the end with the kids. Watching what, what we allow to affect us and allow, what we allow to be okay. I saw today, I never stopped being amazed, but I saw somebody make a post of their church in Pennsylvania. I know they're a little bit easy up there, but this is ridiculous. It's one of those you know, new fads where, we know these people don't like to go to church. They even said, we know these are people that don't really like church. So what we're going to do is we're just going to make the church like the world so that they feel comfortable. That's what they do. And I could not believe it. It said, how many today in your church had the praise team come out and dance to Thriller? We did. That's my church. Yeah, yeah. the Thriller video came on the screen, Michael Jackson, and the praise team came out dressed like zombies, and they did the dance to Thriller in church. In church. That's the problem today, is we're bringing the world into the church, instead of taking the church out to the world. You have to be able to say, you know what, that's something that ain't right about that. God gave us common sense. Amen? And we need to be able to say in our walk, you know what, I don't agree with this. And you, and you don't have to have somebody else come along and say, hey, what do you think about this? We need to be able to make a decision on our own. That's not right. I don't agree with that. You've got to have some barriers. You've got to have some boundaries. You've got to let the Holy Spirit say, this is not right. This is right. This is wrong. Amen? Because he'll creep in. So you've got a whole bunch of people that went home today happy. Man, I went to church, and they did Thriller. But they felt good because they went to church. Not even looking at what was done. Amen? Where would it stop? Well, it hasn't. Today we have people standing up behind pulpits who are homosexual, living in homosexual lifestyles, married, preaching the gospel. When will it stop? It won't. And so we, we see that the devil is not just looking for a foothold. He has a foothold. He's in the church. And again, you know when we say that, we mean worldwide, the church. He's in the church. And so we have to guard that. But you know where that starts tonight as I close? Musicians, you can come forward. Where it starts is at home. It starts individually in our house. Making sure that we guard our home. And you know what? New believers, it takes time. We're not saying this to condemn or anything. 
because many people who have been saved for a long time still struggle. It takes time to recognize this should this shouldn't be in my house. I should I shouldn't watch this. I should I shouldn't listen to that. This is the devil, this is the devil looking. That wasn't the rapture. Don't worry. This is the devil looking for a foothold. Amen. This is the devil trying to creep in, and it's not so bad. When you begin to say, "What's well, not that bad?" Whenever you say it's not that bad, something's wrong. Well, it's not that bad. We need to we need to have a standard. Amen. How many want to have a standard tonight? Pride versus humility, obedience versus disobedience. Father, tonight we want to be able to recognize what comes against you. We don't want to have anything to do with what comes against you. Your word is a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. And tonight, God, we thank you that we can expose the enemy through your word. Father, we humble ourselves. Father, we die tonight to ourselves. Lord, there's such a power and such a dominion and such an authority in our lives when we die to ourselves. We see in the scriptures tonight, Satan exalted himself. Satan lifted himself up above what he should have been. You say in your word, don't think high, too highly of yourself. Lord, we, we need people in our lives who will keep us humble in love. We need people in our lives, Lord, that will keep us accountable. That'll, that'll help us walk that straight line tonight, Jesus. Father, we realize we're living in crazy times. Living in dangerous times if we don't put our foot down. And Lord, as a church tonight, we can't control what somebody else does in this city. You've called us to control what we can control. And that doesn't even start here in the church. That starts at my house. That starts at our homes. Moms and dads putting the foot down at home, saying this is what we stand for. This is right. This is wrong. We won't allow this to come into our lives. We won't allow this to come into our hearts. We won't allow this thing to come into our spirits. This is not of God. And Lord, you help us recognize those things by your spirit. Father, tonight we want to not only expose the enemy, but we want to defeat him. And we know he's already defeated, but we have to walk in that victory every day and recognize when he tries to get in and push him back out. Cover those holes. Cover those areas in our lives where we become weak. Cover each other's backs spiritually in prayer. Lord, we love you tonight, and we thank you for the power and the authority that you've given us to live for you tonight.